So, uh, okay, good morning, Pastor. Good morning, good morning. The Gospels include many, many accounts of Jesus displaying His divinity, showing us that He is more than just a man. And so today we're going to look at one of the most well-known miracles that Jesus performed in order to show His connection to the Father and to help us to understand uh, that He was sent of God to accomplish the plan of God. In Mark chapter 60, we are joining kind of a a part of Christ's ministry midstream. He has just done an important thing. He has just taught his, or just sent his disciples out two by two to be missionaries into the adjoining villages and small towns to preach the same gospel that he has been preaching. And so in Mark chapter 6, verse 30, we read that the apostles returned to Jesus and they told him all that they had done and taught. And so these men had gone out in pairs. They weren't flying solo. They were going out as teams to preach the good news that God had sent his Messiah and that Israel needed to ready their hearts for this. They needed to prepare themselves. And they did that by repenting and by having faith in the Lord and in his plan. The text doesn't directly say that they were successful because we we know from other gospel accounts that there was some success and there was some challenges, there was some victory and there was some resistance. But that's the way that the gospel spreads throughout the world, isn't it? We go into the world and we preach the truth Sometimes people receive it, and sometimes people don't. But the mission that God has set us to is to preach the truth. It does reveal that teaching was a very important part of their tasks. And even when God is just doing things, He's teaching us through His actions. And we're going to see that today. Now, in the middle of this mission trip that just happened, uh, Mark interrupts that story to tell us how John the Baptist, another great missionary, one who came to make the path straight for Christ, had actually been executed for preaching the same gospel that those men were going out into the countryside to preach. Missions is important to God, even if it is dangerous. And so the message of hope and salvation that we have to share with you is a message that must be communicated, no matter what the cost, no matter how difficult or dangerous it is to preach that message. We have to have realistic expectations, and we have to go out with a courage, uh, a courage within us that is rooted in Christ, so that we will speak the things that need to be spoken. So Mark chapter 6, continuing on in verse 31, says, And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many are coming, or were coming and going, and they had no leisure to eat. Jesus is not by himself. His disciples have come back to him from their first mission assignment. And he sees how worn out they are. They have been traveling. They have been preaching. Some of them have faced great opposition. And so caring about their heart and their body, he says, let's go and take some rest. Let's go off into this countryside, a place that's desolate, so folks won't be beating down the door for us. Let's just spend some time together. Let's pray. Let's recharge our batteries. And as much as Christ cared for the whole person and wanted to do uh, this, this wonderful mercy to his men, our best efforts to rest are sometimes delayed. God's timetable is sometimes different than ours. And so we're going to see that there were people who heard about Jesus and the disciples in this area. And where they go to rest, the people follow. And they want to be ministered to. And so it says in verse 32, he says, And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now, many saw them going and recognized them. And they ran there on foot from all the towns. And they got there ahead of them. They were so eager to meet with Christ 
And to see this man that everyone was talking about, to hear the words of this prophet, that they essentially ran into the wilderness anticipating where Jesus would go, and they got there even before the disciples did. Now when Jesus went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them. Listen to why. He says, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But Jesus answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? So let's stop there for a moment. This question that Jesus asks them, uh, or this command he gives them, rather, is, a, is an interesting command. It seems a little counterintuitive. We, we have the disciples. All these people have come out to hear Jesus teach. There's hundreds of them, and then suddenly thousands of them who have come out into the countryside. And the, the disciples are caring about their needs, and they're getting a little worried. They're like, we, we weren't planning on a revival out here. We don't have supplies for this. So they're urging Jesus. They're telling their rabbi, listen, maybe what we should do is send these men and women out into the villages in the surrounding area. Let them go get some food. Let us have our rest. We need some sleep. We need some food too. Remember, they had gone out to this area to try to get some rest. And so he says, get, get, get them out into the countryside. Let them go buy themselves a meal and we'll start the revival up in a day or two. And then Jesus gives them this strange command, doesn't he? He says, you give them something to eat. And that's a significant command, isn't it? Why is it significant? For two reasons. First of all, because they could not do it. Jesus is asking these men to do what on their own strength and according to their own resources, they could not accomplish. It was impossible for them to feed these 5,000 plus. Now, just a little detail here. When it says 5,000, it's actually only counting the men that came. But there were many women and many children who came to that countryside to hear about Jesus too. This could be a feeding of 8,000, 9,000, 10,000. God is about to flex here. He's about to show his power out in the wilderness. And so he tells these disciples, these 12 men, he says, you give them something to eat. You might hear from time to time that God will not give you more than you can handle. Don't believe that. God will give you more than you can handle. He does it because he's trying to show you that apart from him, you can't handle anything. But when he gives you more than you can handle, where do you need to go? You need to go to him. You need to go for for his help. You need his strength. These 12 disciples needed something beyond themselves. And these are men who just went out into the countryside, preached the truth, cast out demons, and healed people. So they've already seen the power of God at work in them. And yet they know that this is a task too big for themselves. So Jesus, in showing them you can't handle this, is teaching them to turn back to him and rely upon his greater strength. With the supernatural provision of Jesus, they can feed the 5,000 plus, and they will. And they said to him, Shall we go into the countryside and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said five and two fish. And then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven 
and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces of fish. And those who, eat, uh, who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. So 5,000 men plus however many women were there plus however many children were there. Everybody got to eat. So what kind of problem do the disciples have when these people are all hungry and they need a meal and they don't have any resources? They have a physical problem. Their resources are quite limited. How are the disciples trying to think about solving that problem? They're thinking about the way that men would solve the problem. And you know, that's not the wrong thing to do. We have to be reasonable. We have to be logical. And and sometimes we have to try to solve things by the resources that we have at hand. You know, we don't have food, but maybe the villages do. Maybe we should send them out into the villages. But Jesus had a different plan for them. He's drawing out of these disciples a tendency in their hearts to try to solve things by their own power, to try to solve things the way that men would solve things. But he's trying to train them to think beyond that, to not exclude the fact that God can powerfully do things in ways that we cannot. And so when we think about these 5,000 people being fed, and we see that they are fed by only five loaves and two fishes, does that mean that each one of them got the tiniest little bit of bread? Does it mean that each one of them got a couple scales off of that fish and got to munch on that? This was not just like a little token meal, okay? I I remember when I was in uh, grade school and I bought a little bag of M&Ms to class and the teacher said, you can only eat that if you give everybody the same amount of M&Ms. And so I was like, I'll save it for later. (laughs) Because if everybody got one little M&M, you know, that's not enough to even satisfy you. Uh, uh, And and that was all they were going to get if they were going to eat off of my bag of M&Ms. But that's not what happens here with the the loaves and the fishes. Jesus, supernaturally, by the power of God, makes this little bit turn into a lie. And how do we know that? We know that because it says in the scriptures that not only did they all eat their fill, but that there were 12 baskets full of resources left when they were done. There was a huge abundance of food for them. Now, what I want us to understand here about this story is that Jesus never did anything on a whim. Everything that he did was a part of the plan that God had for him when he sent him to earth. So there is significance in every action of Jesus and every word of Jesus. Jesus was coming not just because people were hungry. Why did Jesus really come? Because people were broken. Because people had sin in their lives. Because Yahweh was not their king the way that he needed to be. And they needed a way for their sins to be defeated. Could they defeat their sins on their own? Absolutely not. The scripture tells us that the best efforts of man to be religious, to be faithful, to be righteous, are like filthy rags before God. Because his righteousness is perfect, and that is the demand, that's the standard of righteousness. Anybody in this room perfect? You know, if you said you were, you wouldn't be perfect because you wouldn't be telling the truth, right? You'd be guilty of lying. Every human being has broken the law of God. So Jesus did not just come to fill empty stomachs. He came for a bigger purpose. And he roots that purpose in God's overarching plan from beginning to end, from the creation to the return of Christ. There is a plan that God is unfolding before us. 
And it is a plan to take us out of our despair that we have created for ourselves, out of the wilderness of sin that has ruled our lives and wrecks us apart from God, and to bring us into a right relationship with God. And He has to do that for us. Because like those disciples couldn't feed the the masses, we can't overcome our sin apart from the work of Jesus. That is why Jesus came. That is why He lived a perfect life. That is why He gave that life on the cross as a substitute so that the guiltiness of every sinner who trusts in Jesus might be satisfied on the cross. Every debt that they owe to a holy and a just God might be paid in full by His perfect suffering. And when Jesus rose on the third day, He displayed that He was more than just a man. He was more than just a good example to us. That He had the power to overcome sin and death so that those who trust in Him will not only have their sins washed away so that they can have fellowship with God, but will also have the promise of eternal life that death won't have power over them anymore. So let me show you how he roots that in that story, that overarching story. When we see Jesus looking upon these people and they are hungry and they don't have any resources, can you think of another time in the Bible when that was the case? Can you think of another time in the Bible when people were hungry and they were out in the wilderness and they didn't have any resources? Anybody? What does it make you think of? Makes you think of Moses, doesn't it? Remember when the Israelites, God's chosen people who had been set apart to show the world who God is, when they had gotten into slavery and for 400 years they had suffered under the yoke of Egypt and then God through miraculous means redeemed them from that slavery, brought them out of that oppression, brought them into the wilderness and gave them freedom. But they went out of that wilderness. They didn't have any farms out there. They didn't have herds to feed them. They were hungry. They were tired. They didn't know what to do. And what did God do in that moment? He gave them supernatural food. He gave them manna from heaven. He gave them a bread that would sustain them. A bread that the scriptures tells us was like sweet honey cakes. And that bread was enough to get them through 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. So we're not just talking about the kind of bread you can go down and get at Safeway or Lucky, right? This is bread from heaven. This is a special kind of bread. And when there was no water around, he would instruct the prophet to speak to the rock and the rock would produce water. A spring would spring up because God has control over all that he has made. And so this story was revealing to those people who had gathered there to hear Jesus that the same God, Yahweh, who had met their needs in the wilderness was meeting their needs now through Christ. It was a pointing back, but it was also a pointing forward. Remember that Jesus, when he saw these people, when he landed his boat on the shore and he saw these people, he was saddened and he had compassion. Why? Because these people were like sheep without a shepherd. Not only did he want to tie his ministry to what God had already done, but he wanted to reveal to them what he was intending to do. What they really needed was not loaves and fishes. It was salvation in Christ. And so this provision in the wilderness points forward to the fact that Jesus said, you can't get yourself to heaven, but I'll provide that for you as well. I will do it by my power. I will do it by my righteousness. And I will give it to you freely. The disciples, when they distributed that fish and those loaves, they didn't take up you know, the entry cover charge from everybody who came. It wasn't five bucks a meal, right? It was a free gift to them. They were able to be blessed by the generosity of God. And that's what salvation is. It is a gracious gift given from a God who has every right to condemn us and push us away. But instead, by His mercy, 
He says, come near my child. I'm going to bring you to my table. I'm going to let you eat of my resources. You're going to be mine now. And I'm going to give you more than a full belly. I'm going to give you my name. You're going to be called Christian. And you're going to walk after my steps. And you're going to want to be like Christ because he's the one through which this salvation comes to you. So friends, as we think about the way that God provides, does he provide for us today? Maybe he's given you a little bit today through this food pantry. And it's just a small bit. This is just little compared to what he did there. Uh, you know, these, these resources that have been donated, we're happy to share this with you. And it comes not from us, but from the Lord God himself. We hope that you see that this is God providing for you. But we also want you to know that more than food, you need a good shepherd. You need one who will pay the penalty for your sin so that you might be redeemed and the debt that you owe to God might be washed away forever. You can walk in the righteousness of Christ if you trust in the righteousness of Christ. If you confess your sin before him and receive what he has to give to you, the free gift of eternal provision that is only found in his son. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? God, we thank you for being our savior. We love you and we know that you're good. We ask that you would give us a a gratefulness today in hearing these words preached, Lord. Thank you for revealing to us and and, and dispelling some confusion, Lord. It is often said that, that you won't give us more than we can handle. Lord, this world is full of more than we can handle. But we've also been told in Scripture, Philippians 4.13, that we can do all things in Christ, through Christ, who strengthens us. And so, Father, let us recognize that apart from Jesus, we don't have the power we need. We are, we're hopeless. But with Jesus, we can have a living hope that will carry us on into eternity. And so thank you for all that you have provided today. We pray that our fellowship would be sweet. Help us to enjoy this time of fellowship together. And may it be more than enough. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.